Hi, I'm Cody Elaine Oliver. I created the popular Black Love docuseries with my husband after seeing the lack of Black people in media and entertainment in happy, loving relationships. We were actually being told there was a Black marriage crisis. So I asked Black people who were married what it takes to make their marriage work. And after more than 200 interviews, I've heard it all. So buckle up and enjoy getting the full story directly from the couples themselves. This is Black Love, The Interviews. We became friends 98-ish. Eight-ish. Yeah. And I'm almost positive it was at a mutual friend's party. Um, and he was playing host, as he always does at the party. And I think that's kind of how we first had our introduction. And so uh, just like she was saying at these different parties that we would hang out at, we'd see each other and she'd be playing dominoes with her friends in, in the mm -hmm. back. And we would and bring the dominoes, bring the dominoes to the party. Because she's very West Coast. Very, very California. I'm, yeah. I was sitting in the studio playing keyboard and, you know, trying to get people's attention, but she would never come in there to actually pay attention to me. So. Yeah, but I've seen them before performing as with Waterfront, which was the group. I was not stalking you. I went with another stalker who was stalking one of the other group members. I went to Hampton University and we started a singing group in the summer of 1994. And we used to sing on the waterfront. <laughs> and that became our name for a talent show. And then we were together for like 15 years. And during that time, we opened for a lot of people and performed at homecoming concerts. and. Um, we held auditions to have dancers and somebody supposedly was in a crew that was going to audition <laughs> to be a dancer. I'm not saying no names, but somebody that's very close to me on my left side I, you that I bring married. That up though? And like, then um, you, she asked me for vocal lessons. So I was trying to teach up. her how to sing. You know, I can't believe you brought that up. I'm telling all the businesses. We're going to spill all the tea. Okay. All of it. All right. We're doing that. Okay. It is spilled. So right. I used to give her singing lessons and I thought she was cute, but she had a boyfriend. I respected that. And yeah. we just became friends. So he's always been a platonic friend. Never thought of I him in, in that. Zone. Yeah. He was always in the friend zone. That little Since space. the very beginning. His name was Slow Jams. Because every time we would see him, he would be in his granddam. Gonna tell all. Yeah, so you gonna tell a, on me. I had a 1997 Pontiac Grandam. It was black. Right. And it was it had and a nice he sound would be system. riding up and down and Tyler Street. You would hear Mint Condition bumping. Mint Condition. Everybody time. else would be bumping. Dr. Dre. Dr. Dre. Busta Rhymes. But I got. And here he go. Right. So that's how he became bumping. slow jam. So. And yeah. we remained friends. Um, until about 2011. Right. But she had gotten married and we had kind of, you know, gone off to do our own thing. So we right, were right. doing our own our own lives and she had gotten married, had two kids. And, and then one day I get a Facebook message. In, right. In and I was off of Facebook. And when I got on Facebook, I only got on Facebook to actually look at other people's pictures. And that's why I have a, a na the name that's, that's not like my name on Facebook. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> and I was reading and I was like, what the heck is this? Because I had because she had a whole she has an alias online and I was right. like, I don't, I don't want know nobody to know I was online yet. The sugar person is. So I'm just I'm gonna leave it in spam. So I left it sitting there. Then I looked, <laughs> I was like, let me look again. And I clicked on it and it was her picture. And I was like, Oh, okay. So I haven't talked to Tanae in like about six years at that point. Yeah. 
So about six years have gone by. We hadn't even spoken. Right. And um, right. no contact. Okay. So I was kind of being stalker-ish because I was kind of following him on MySpace. That just tells you how old MySpace. we are. And I was just seeing what he was doing and saw that he was doing a lot of stuff with photography. Um, and so I kind of kept up with him, even though he didn't know that. No, but I wasn't I being a stalker, though. That's what a stalker is, right? But like, I you, wasn't being full fledged. Hiding shrubs and bushes. And <laughs> but I wasn't. Like, oh, but I wasn't like. What's Jack doing? But I just, you know, and but it was all because I missed our friendship. It wasn't anything like, oh, I got to see what he's doing because I'm in love. It was more about like I truly, genuinely miss talking to him. I got the message on Facebook. I looked at her, the sugar person. <laughs> clicked on the her photo and I was like right look who it is and so I think that afternoon we started talking on the phone I was at work and she was in California I was in Atlanta right and so and the I was time like, difference oh, I'm here I'm you know the hey, time I difference didn't you. matter I just and we talked we just for talked, hours we talked probably for like four or five hours that day right. and then we continued talking every single day since then up until today because that was actually just after I had separated with my ex and I was trying to reconnect. There was a lot of friendships that I lost during that that time period of us being married. And so um, I just really wanted to reach out and just connect with all the people that I missed. And he was one of them. And so I sent him that message and we talked ever since then. And then things kind of flourished after that. I kind of told you this before, but I a few months before then I had gotten saved and i wrote down what i wanted because i was tired of dating i was tired of playing all the silly little games I, I was over it and she was not the person that i was thinking of i just i wanted certain characteristics in a person and um the one thing that my mom had always reiterated in co when i went to college was make friends get to know people for who they really are and so um you know i wrote down my little list said my little prayer and then just kind of let it go. And then five and a half months later, here she comes just saying, hey, and I'm like, well, no, nah, she lives long distance. She's in LA, I'm in Atlanta. She's got kids now, like, nah, it's right. just, that's, that's just kind of complicated. So I didn't really think about it in that sense, but we spoke every day, just like it was old times. Right. And those conversations kept getting better and better. And it was like, man, I always laugh. I would go on dates. Couldn't wait to get off the date. Right. And it was the same talk. thing for me. And then that's when I kind of felt like things were turning because, you know, I was freshly separated. I'm like, shoot, I'm hitting the, you know, and so <laughs> going to the club. I'm going to the club. I'm yeah. going to the party. I'm hitting yeah. up my homegirls, you know, and I was doing my thing. He was doing his thing. And um, I just really like it almost felt as if I was cheating in a, in a way. And it was weird for me to feel like that. And I was thinking, that's just awkward, but I wouldn't even want to share with him that I was going out. I mean, he knew I was going out, but it wasn't like I wanted to even share that. Like it felt <laughs> awkward sharing that with him. And I think that's when I started to realize there was maybe some interest there. You're catching feelings. So, you know, a brother had a job, you know, he was making a little extra change <laughs> and, uh, uh I, it was in, I want to say it was in July. Um, I bought a living social package. Right. And I was right. like, I'm just going to buy one and I'll find somebody to go with. Right. Just thinking, 
she'll she'll show up. I'll figure out who it's gonna be. Mind you, we're still just communicating as friends and this, this, and the third. And then right. as time moved forward, I was like, I kind of want to go with Tanae. I think that might be fun. And so when I presented her with that, she goes, I'm just trying to get. And I was like, I'm trying to be your friend. I, this, that was, I, I said, was... you need a vacation. I need a vacation. We can, we can sleep in separate beds. That's fine. I just want to go somewhere yeah. and get away. And, and I remember going to work. I was kind of asking advice, like, well, I got invited to Cancun to go with a friend. They were like, that ain't your friend. And I'm thinking, no, I mean, but he is. But I mean, <laughs> what you think that means? He ain't trying to be your friend. So I think that's when I kind of got the hint that. that you wanted the light skin love. I know. It's okay. Just tell everybody. Sometimes you got to shoot your shot. <laughs> I mean, I was going to go anyway because I ain't never been. And I was like, He's you like, know oh, what? He's got frequent flyer miles. I could go I have and have fun. Nothing. I mean, either way, I knew that I was going to go and have fun. I know I knew the type of guy that he was. So I, it wasn't like I ever felt uncomfortable anyway. So I was going to go regardless. I'm a respectful gentleman. Yeah, I'm you not, always my have My mama didn't been. raise me to be, you know, that way. You right. Know? She was like, no, you're going to, I'm going to be your friend first. So... I really, my intentions were, honestly, let's just go have a good time. Right. You know, if if it progresses from there, fantastic. If not, then we just had a good time. Right. Fall of 2011, because mm -hmm. I hit him up in spring of 2011. Fall of 2011, my cousin was having a wedding in Malibu and um, I had no date. And so he told me he was coming around that same time just to come out and what were you connected with friends and photo shoots. Yeah. And photo so shoots. I said, look, if you're going to be here, let's just go on this, you know, date together. This was my thinking. I didn't want to go with anybody that I was, you know, hanging out with in that way because I didn't want it to feel like it was pressure. You know, guys get awkward when you ask them, can you go to a wedding with me? And so, and there was no one I was interested in to even give him that inkling that it was gonna ever be that serious. And I knew if I went with him that it would be fun. I knew that I would be going with a friend, there'd be no pressure, and I would have fun. <laughs> While we're at the wedding, having a great time, we're dancing, people were coming up and saying, y'all look cute together. Right. So this lady says, how long have you been together? And we said, well, we're just friends. And she goes, well, that's how it starts. And then she dances away. Right. We never saw that lady again. <laughs> right. It was kind so of like God <laughs> was like, let me send this angel to let y'all know that you're in the presence of the person you're supposed to be with. And then she just disappeared. Nobody knows who she is. Right. Never seen her again. Her cousin don't know who it is. I'm like, well, who is the lady that was like, y'all, this is how it starts. So that's how it started. Right. And so right. after the date. I said, well, let's let's go hang out. We didn't want it to end. And right, right. I we said, had such um, a good time. Though. But honestly, that was her, the best date I've ever been on in my entire life. I said to her, and we had a good date. You should kiss your friend. Yeah. And she looked at me like, and I was like excuse nah. me? <laughs> I was like, hear me out. I came all the way out here. We went to a great wedding, had a great sunset view of the Pacific Ocean and danced and laughed and had a great time. And we're out now at this little bar and having a good time. I was like, you know what? We should end it the right way. You should kiss your friend. And, and I didn't I, expect her to do it. I didn't. She didn't. Stayed so for like he, 10 So, days. okay, he planted the seed, okay? And then- Shoot your shot. 
That was like, so he was there for a few days and then I hung out with him another day. You hung out with me every other day. Yeah, it was like every other day. Every other day. And then. On like day. And then one of, so the it was like at day. the end of that, that last day, the end of the week. The last day. I thought that maybe I should just see what happens. And so. Caught me completely off guard. Yeah. So what happened was he came to my place. I opened the door and I just planted him with the kiss. Cause I was like, if, if I think about it, it ain't gonna happen. Cause then I'm gonna get awkward about it. It's gonna be weird. Cause it's Jack. And he did like wanna. Cause she caught me off guard. I really didn't And I was expect... like, oh, well this ain't gonna work out. Like right. this is not, this ain't gonna work out. So after I left, I came back. I grabbed her face <laughs> and then I kissed her. The like, way that she really should have been kissed. kissed me. And, then... and she, it was like a movie. She just kind of. So that's what it feels like <laughs> to be kissed. And you could have heard, like, you could hear boys to men playing in the background. You know, it just felt like that. It was like, okay, this, this could have been a scene in Boomerang. It was nice. It was it was nice enough to the point where I was like, I'm interested in my friend. Yeah, okay. I like, I, I all like right. Slow jam. Okay, I like slow jam. So at that point, I um, came back to Atlanta and we would continue to see each other every month. So I'd either go out there, she'd come out this way. She was working in a job where she had to travel. So I was actually in um, New Jersey and I told him that I was going to New Jersey. I was gonna be in New Jersey for like a few days. And he shows up at the airport unannounced. And Surprise. yeah, he surprised me. I had landed in Newark yeah. airport. Yeah. He showed up at the baggage claim, surprised me then got a car, got us a car to the hotel. And I think for me, because that was the first time anybody has ever done anything like that. That was like a huge gesture. Um, and it meant a lot to me. And I think that's when I realized he was serious, even though I told him I wasn't trying to be serious. And then, cause when we initially started, you know, even for, uh, exploring the relationship, I was giving him hints like, you know, we just, this is going to be chill. This is relaxed. You know, I'm not trying to rush into anything. And then in November, that's when I felt like, okay, well, you know, I could, you could be my boyfriend, you know, <laughs> and then that's when it really officially started. So it was official November, 2011. And that's when we were like, this is happening and we're going to try to make this work. I knew that she's the person I wanted to be with. And she didn't realize how early on I had felt that. Yeah. Um, not until probably in the spring of 2012, when she she says out loud she's tired of this job and she's tired of LA, that I said, well, I want you to move to Atlanta. And things started to shift to where and I had literally, to move. literally, like you put it out there, God starts moving things, right? So she said, I don't want to be in LA. I don't want to work here anymore. And then the whole time I'm going through this process of divorce and everything was stressful. Yeah. Um, so she, she, I was just ready to go. The girls were two and five. Yeah. Um, Kaylee had just turned five in December of 2011. Right. And Debbie was going to turn three in, in May. May of 2012. So right. we we're right in between those dates. I wanted to start fresh with them. Um, and I knew I was going to be in a position where I was going to really have to like be a provider for them. So it just, it just started to become more about what was good for our well-being, not just 
you know, about moving for a relationship. It was more about, and, and it was a conversation with him, but it was still about what would be the best situation for all of us. So that's kind of how yeah. me coming to the Atlanta area came about. I mean, when I first met her daughters in September right of 2011, away. I was like, these kids are awesome. Like they, I, when I walked up to the apartment, um, her mom and Debbie, uh, who's the baby at the time, two years old, were standing outside and Debbie looks at me and I, I say hello to Tanae's mom. <laughs> and Debbie just goes with her hands, with her arms head. out. And I was like, I'm, I wasn't like a, I love kids kind of person right away. It was just like, I'm kind of goofy. So kids like me. So <laughs> yeah. I picked her up and like, I carried her in the house. And when I sat down on the couch, she was sitting with me and Kaylee, who was five, walks up and shows me a menu and says, welcome to my restaurant. We have pita chips. Right. And I was so. like, well, no one's ever given me pita <laughs> chips before. So I'm convinced that I'm going to hang out with you guys for a little while. So we sat, I sat on that couch. Her daughters were, were really cool and we, we were playing around and mom was talking to me and then she comes down the stairs yeah. after not seeing her for six years and the first thing she sees is me with her kids. Right, and I just started grinning like really hard because it was just the cutest thing I've ever seen and I haven't seen him and then to see that, um, but that was, it, it touched my heart. And then my mom was like, I like him, who is he? And why haven't I met him? And where has he been? And and I'm like, calm down. Like, it's Jack, it's just Jack. Really? Like, it's just Jack. Why gotta be just Jack? It's not <laughs> that, not, not that just, no. Because so, I was, I just, so, you know. Yes, I had to think about this because being involved with someone who already has children, that's a lot to take on. Yeah. And I had to consider their emotional state and, and how this was all going to work logistically. So, I mean, I, honestly, I went home, I prayed on it. I talked to my mom and my sister about it, who those are my first two consults for everything. Um, talked to some of my boys and, you know, I really just, I was up for the idea. Like I was open for the idea at that point. I was like, you know what? I can do this. I can do this. I can, I can co-parent and I can date her and eventually I want her to be my wife. And so I had already started thinking about that. Right. Baby spring of 2012. I had already started thinking about that. And when I asked her to move to Atlanta, I at that point I was already convinced. I was like, no, this is who I want to be with. This is my person. And he kind of actually let me let on that he was thinking about that because he even asked about me having more kids. And I was thinking, <laughs> um, excuse me. <laughs> right. Excuse me with everything, the way that it was happening, I just felt like I was just gonna go with the flow. Mm -hmm. And everything felt good, everything felt right. Everything fell so, in place. Everything fell okay. in place. So 2002 to 2011. So we're talking about nine years, right? Right. Um, fast forward from 2011 to the fall of 2012, she's already here. She moved to Atlanta, she found a job. She found a school for the girls right around the corner from her job, she found right. an apartment. You know, she like everything just, just lined fell right into place. Up. And yeah. um, photography was going well for me. Um, I was in a position where, okay, I could do a little bit more and I could help her and I could spend more time getting to know her and the kids in person. And we spent a lot of time together. Just, right. I had a rule. I wanted to see a full cycle of seasons, <laughs> you know, because people are different winter, 
to summer and fall and spring right we're like oh okay so let me make sure you're not just you know like nice in the in the in the fall you, you could be crazy <laughs> and in then the i winter. turn in so, the winter but yeah so we had a we had a, a great experience of, of growing together yeah. but it, everything just fell into place it's it's kind of interesting how it happened. and what was different and what i noticed because i think it's always been his mantra but for me i've never actually been friends with the person i was dating and so that's what made the difference was i felt like I had way more respect for him than I've ever had for anybody that, even my ex-husband or boyfriends from the past. Like it was a different relationship altogether. And I think that's, um, that really made the difference for me. My, um, and I've said this to her before, I've said it, I've said it all over the place. My uncle said that if you have to get out of bed to speak to your best friend, you married the wrong person. And he said that to me before, like as I was talking about this girl, I reconnected with her and he was talking about friendship. And he said, if you can be friends with her, you know, that's the basic foundation. Because when you're a hundred years old and you're sitting in rocking chairs, looking at each other, all of this is gone. What are you going to have to lean on? You better be able to look at each other and laugh and have a good time with one another. So right. um, I had never, the same way that she just expressed, I had never felt a friendship connection the way that I did with her. Right, before a romantic connection. I think yeah. that made that made a huge difference. So you can get out of the friend zone yeah. is basically what I'm saying. <laughs> Fall around, was that September when we went to boot camp? Who I was working for at the time. Um, he ran, him and his wife run, they actually, it's the marriage boot camp that you see, you know, on WE TV, but they that actually spawned from the different boot camps that happened, you know, cross country. And him and his wife, this is like their ministry, and they decided that this is what they wanted to provide to their community. And so they run a boot camp. And he told me we had we went to lunch. We had a working lunch, and he said because he met Jack and he likes Jack, and he's telling me if you want to marry him, y'all need to go to boot camp. And I was thinking, well, I wanted to do premarital counseling anyway. Like I, there was a lot of junk that I was working through. I was going to therapy, you know, fresh off a of divorce. And I wanted to make sure that I was in the right space mentally. I wasn't gonna go into this marriage with baggage. I wanted to let go of all of that before I started a new marriage with him. So when I'm talking to my boss, um, and he gave me the best advice, he said, look, if you're not gonna go to boot camp, don't marry him. And I'm thinking, okay, you don't even know us like that. But honestly, it, it, it kind of struck me as, you know, maybe this isn't just him saying it. Maybe this is, you know, this is spirit led. So I'm talking to him about it. And when I first mentioned it to him, he was like, nah, I ain't Cause I camp. didn't quite know where this was all supposed to be going boot camp right and it's it just sounded i guess it just sounded much more and, and honestly it is intense so we went through the boot camp and we we're there with all of these couples that were like on the brink of divorce they have gone through some stuff like they have gone through some of the worst things you can imagine and they were trying to still work it out and they were trying to keep their marriage and here we are talking about marriage and they're looking at us like we wish that we were in your place we wish that we were given the tools before going into this relationship instead of doing this backwards. Um, 
And when I say it was like the most intense week we had ever experienced as a couple and as individuals, we had chances to work on ourselves. We had chances to just let and release all of this baggage that we have been carrying. Um, and then after that's when everybody was speculating and even I was, cause I felt like, I felt like a new person. I, cause they, they, they have this thing where you walk in pre boot camp and then post boot camp. And I felt like, you know, I felt lifted. I felt like a weight had been lifted off my shoulders. And I was like, I'm ready to do, I'm ready to do this. Like now I feel good and I want to. And so my boss, after the fact, he said, I think he's going to propose soon. And so I think that's what he kind of put that in she my ear. Everybody in her ear. Yeah. Telling me he's going to propose soon. He's going to propose. And soon. I basically said, I'm so I was just trying to push I'm it ready. along because I felt like, okay, now we're in a, we're in a much better position She's, now. Now it's, it's no time. To... You just let... <laughs> but that's how I, it wasn't like I was pressuring him. I just felt like it's time Two in two years, right? About two years at that point where she was getting the itch trying to tell me how I should propose where, so you're going to propose at and I, I didn't say so it like I told you her, propose. I said, when I'm ready, pants. when I'm ready. That's when I was like, all right. You she know, was trying to tell me. I was, no, I wasn't trying to tell him how. She was I like, was dropping hints if, as if to when it would be a good time. You could propose at Thanksgiving no, and our family I, would be there. <laughs> and I was like, no. <laughs> and so then she goes, well, at Christmas when my mom comes, no. <laughs> Well, if we do this for New Year's Eve, well, well, and so at no, New Year's I didn't, Eve, wait, wait, wait. I didn't say New Year's Eve. I said, I thought because said, the listen. way he was setting up New Year's Eve, I when, was like, oh, it's about to happen. No, New Year's Eve, 2013, no, no. it's about to go down. No, when I'm ready, and the conversation that I have with me and God, that's the conversation that that needs to happen. I will propose, but you are the person I want to marry. She wasn't so used that's to. Why. She wasn't used to a guy actually taking taking charge. control, right? And I'm the kind of person that that's what I was taught is that I need to take control. And if I'm going to marry someone that I'm going to take those steps to get myself ready to do that. Right. And when she was like, and you, you should propose on this, I'm, no, I'm going to do it the way that I want to do it. Um, I think I've been taking those steps for a little while, even before it, I knew it was going to be her. Like I said, I had previously, I'd gotten saved, you know, months before that. And I started putting my mind state in a, in, in a place where I did not want to be alone. That was the first part of it. It was like, well, what do I need to do? What do I need to fix within me first before I can, you know, be ready for someone else? So getting right with God, you know, making peace with some of the things that happened in my own past. And when we reconnected, our friendship was strong enough that it just kind of felt very natural that I was in a place where I didn't have to, I didn't have to struggle to make it work. You know, um, she made me a better person. She made me a smarter business person. She introduced me to things that I never thought of as far as like, whoa, I can get business from over here and I can do this. And, and she's keeping me in church and she's, you know, she's doing a lot of things to keep me spiritually grounded and aware of what my abilities are, right? Um, I think everybody wants someone that is in their corner to encourage them. So as she was doing that, um, I started to realize that, you know what, this is, this feels right. Everything about this feels right. Nothing about this feels wrong. And 
even if I'm a little uncomfortable, that's good because that's how you grow, right? So with the girls being two and five years old, I'm like, wow, oh, this is it's gonna be rough, but you can handle it. And every time it was something, I felt like I could handle it. Long distance, that's nothing but a plane ticket. Right. And the things that we put up as obstacles, I tried to make them more opportunities than obstacles. You know, distance, oh, well, it's not an obstacle. It's an opportunity for me to go travel and go live somewhere else and experience what things are like over here. You know, uh, the, the girls, well, I mean, it's an opportunity for me to learn how to be a good father. And it was also an opportunity, opportunity for me to see her as a mother, which a lot of guys might take it for granted. You know, like if, if a woman has kids, they might look at that like, oh, I, I don't want to get involved. But no, like she really is an amazing mother. She's got two beautiful girls. Now we have a son. So they're, but they're amazing kids. They're smart. They're super intelligent. They're funny and they're talented. And I, and I really look at the way that she was responding to them and they were responding to her. And that's something that got my utmost respect. So I think the preparation was just kind of a natural progression of our relationship. It, it was kind of like we were meeting checkpoints and in my mind, I was like, no, we can, I can do this. I can and do this. And it was this. the same for me. I was watching how they responded to him and how he handled, especially never being in this position. You never dated anybody with kids before me. Nope. So I, I was really just admiring the way that he was handling, you know, kind of being thrown into this kind of father figure, you know, position. Um, and the girls, they responded really well to him. There was no uncomfortable period where that I felt like they had to go through this period of adjustment. They took to him right away. So it was really, for me, it was, it was a non-issue, yeah. you know. The steps were just kind of lined up and I just kind of just walked the path, you know what I mean? It's, it's one of those things where I didn't, I didn't hesitate and I knew what I wanted. At the end of the day, I knew that I wanted a wife, children, family. I wanted that. And I, most of all, I wanted her to be my friend. So and I hate to sound like a shy song from the 1990s. <laughs> If I ever fall in love, but that would be but so you slow jams. I was, I was, I'm, I'm a hopeless romantic. I've always been, always that have way. been. And so, um, I guess you could say it just kind of fit in with everything that I had been believing for years and years. Is I'm gonna find this woman, she's gonna be my wife, and we're gonna live happily ever after. And here we are. So, our wedding took place March 28th, 2015. Um, we were engaged almost a year prior, February, February, February 11th. 11th, 2014. And um, yeah, so yeah. And then that <laughs> engagement story is a whole, that's a whole story within itself. Well, what had happened? What, I'll make this very short. When I proposed and in in february of 2014 mm -hmm. her her thing was that she wanted um she was moving out of her apartment right and i was ready to move and so all of these things kind of happened simultaneously and we decided we wanted to live together um so we did live together for a little less than a year before we were married in March of 2015. We did get the certificate though. I was like, we gonna get paper. 
Cause this ain't paper. like I'm a I'm we gonna solidify this with some paperwork and we then we're gonna lease, have the wedding. So was, you know. Lease and a marriage <laughs> certificate. Like and then you know how you have to get married and yeah. So yeah, no, we had some paperwork. We got married in this room, actually. The paperwork was signed in this The room. paperwork was signed, but the wedding didn't happen until March twenty eighth. So we recognized March twenty eighth. 2015. 2015. I was making sure that the paperwork said that we weren't living in sin because that's what I was trying to avoid. I was trying to get my life right. I was trying to get my whole situation right. So when we were talking about it and, you know, the whole engagement happened, I was like, we getting some paperwork because this ain't, we ain't doing this. And the girls are going to know that the paperwork has been signed and mommy is signed, sealed and delivered. And yeah, and then that's when, and then the wedding happened. <laughs> Anytime that you move in with someone else, yeah. you have to get to know their habits. Yeah. You know, we all have those little idiosyncrasies and those little things that are gonna drive someone else a little crazy. So yes, there's there was some an snoring that you have to get used to. You know what I mean? <laughs> Whether it's me or her, I'm not saying it's her or me or her more than me or uh -huh. her a lot more often. I'm just saying that you have to get used to certain things, you know, the way that a house is kept versus, you know, this way versus that way. So I think that um, when you when you move in together, you have to be patient with one another. You have to look at each other and go, OK, look, this is how you were taught. And this is how I was taught. Let's figure out how to meet in the middle somewhere. But well, I mean, he's trying to be nice about it. He had it. to get adjusted to having to tell, you know, a couple of little girls clean up your room clean well, up after yourself well, that's kids. you know like that was an adjustment i know for him that was probably one of the more major adjustments debbie was born how old was she 2015 help me out because i'm going six. totally blank six and then kaylee was nine ten ten yeah no yes ten yeah yeah, yeah that's right so kaylee was ten debbie was six i'm thinking about when their birthdays fall i know yeah, yeah. I think it just because they always, they've always had a relationship. So I think it just kind of transitioned into, because even when, you know, we were living separately, they, they still looked at him and respected him as, you know, as a father figure, as an adult in their lives, trying to be there for them and be, you know, um, present, you know, in their lives. So I think when, it really became a conversation um, was more about them asking about his whereabouts. Where is he? How is he? We miss him. Like they, whenever he would go out of town, whenever we wouldn't see him, you know, albeit a day or two, um, they would ask. And that's when it brought up and we would bring it up in conversation. And I would ask, why do you miss him? You know, how do you feel about him? How do you feel about him becoming, you know, officially your dad? And and how do you feel about us getting married? And then, you know, it also came up because I said, my name is going to change. You know, how do you feel about mommy's chain name chain? Uh, I can't even say it name, name changing. changing. And how what do you feel about me not having the same name? as you guys and you know they actually asked the question can we can have we the same their... name can we change our last name so eventually i went and i got their name hyphenated you know not to take away from who they are but to also make them feel like Included. you're a part of this family and we are all you know we're one we are all one unit and that's the way we operate
Um, and I don't think it's ever been, they've never questioned why is he a disciplinarian, you know, in addition to mommy. <laughs> I think it was just, it just kind of had, it happened naturally. And I know it's like, uh, I don't have any sage advice. I think for me, it was showing them um, what a healthy relationship looked like. And I think they just kind of, it just kind of fell into place because they saw that, um, you know, they have a lot of father figures in their lives. They got their grandpas, they have uncles. Um, I think they just looked at him as just one, another, you know, father figure in their life who's looking out for him. And he always made it clear that he was always looking out for their best interests, that he was always gonna be here for them. When we've had, you know, we had, a real awkward boy talk with my oldest when she was about nine <sighs> and it was it was funny but you know it just made me feel like because I didn't really have to say anything I told him what happened it was like it wasn't a real incident but it was a, a funny something had happened when, when I took the girl swimming and there was another little boy around and he was trying to get my oldest daughter Kaylee trying to get her attention she was nine years old and she ain't thinking about boys, right? And he's, she still ain't thinking about boys, or at least she doesn't let up that she is. So I was, boy was trying with to flirt him. with my daughter. He was, he was trying to flirt. I he was desperately trying to get her attention. And he, but he said little <laughs> things that, you know, no little boy should be saying at that age. And he was like, I like how you look today. And she's in a swimsuit. And I'm like, this is awkward. I'm standing here. Do you see me? And so I was telling him the story. And then he just, I didn't have to say, Jack, can you go talk to her? Or do you think he just grabbed her arm? Come and sit down with me. And he had this conversation about put her up what is respectable behavior for that you should expect from little boys. She's saying it very nicely. Um, we will not be entertaining <laughs> any male callers until you have passed the age of 17. Right. But you also <laughs> made it known like, no, you know what? When a little boy is speaking to you, this There's is what a certain you respond to and this is what you don't respond I, I to. I want them to see it, not just hear me say it. So I open the car doors for them. I open right. the front door. Like if we're going into a supermarket, we do ladies first. That's that's the way that we are doing things. In they walk house. on the inside. Of you the know, sidewalk. I taught them where to walk in respect to a man on the sidewalk. Right. You know, right. I don't want I want them to see how a gentleman is supposed to be versus me telling them and then not seeing it. You know, kids, they're sponges. They take everything in. So I want them to understand that love looks like this and it feels like this. And it's something that they've been kind of, you know, they're on, they're on autopilot now. They're, they kind of get it, you know? So right. when we get out of the car, they know where to stand. You know, if I'm walking up to a car door, I generally open the door for them. So um, in regards to little boys, you know, I told them like, look, little boys are gonna be little boys. That doesn't mean you have to accept it. You need to come and tell me if somebody says something wrong or out of pocket. So, All right. Um, yeah. We now have a one-year-old. Yeah. Um, he's... <laughs> He's hilarious, but he, it's like on his first birthday, he just became a, an instant toddler. He's into everything and he's having little, little fits here and there. So I was with the girls from when they were two and five. So I missed that first two years with Debbie and the first <laughs> yeah. five years with Kaylee. And so now I'm kind of filling in that gap and it's been an adventure. <laughs> I was going to say the biggest adjustment for him, especially is no sleep. Like, yeah, I, 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 like I think to, I remember sleep. Right. I used to sleep. 
because his friends told him, I told him, I was just like, I'm just going to let you know that when we finally get to sleep again, just remember that. Just remember how much you value sleep because you won't see it for a while. And I don't think he realized how true that was until a couple months in and he came to me months? and he was days okay <laughs> jack was born on june 1st was like he's born on june 1st 2017 yeah i have not slept since june 1st 2017. 2017 right even if he's not in the room i'm listening because i'm thinking where's he at is he moving is he br-? the first time he slept all through the night i freaked out because he didn't wake up in his two and a half to three hour cycle. I was like, why isn't he awake? He's supposed to be up. Right. I think I felt like I was probably pledging something, you know what I mean, for the first three and a half, four months. Cause I was walking around like a zombie. There were times where I'd be coming home from a job in the city in Atlanta, driving up to our place and I'd have to pull over and take a nap. That's how tired I was. And now he's running and climbing and jumping. And so all I can think is, okay, uh, how how am I gonna do this for the next, how many years until he calms down? Yeah. Uh, 17, yeah, this is gonna be an adventure. So. But the endearing part about it is that, um, well, can I back up? Because in, in 2017, 2016, um, Devi told him, you need a boy in the house. And she was like, I feel sorry for you. She prayed for a baby brother. And she made us pray every morning from that time that she told him that, like, you need a boy in the house. Until I got pregnant, she was like, you need a boy. I feel sorry for you. And I hope mommy has a boy for you. And so we prayed every morning. Wait, 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 wait. Stop, stop, stop. I told her we're going to have a boy. You told me that too. on my birthday. Yeah. That's what I told her. And... Lo and behold, my birthday is June 8th. He was born on, he was due on June 6th. His due date was June 6th. And we had a boy. My grandmother was like, you know, she was like, oh, I know it's a boy. Because I told, I told your wife how to make a boy. And I was like, grandma, that's a lot of information that we did not need to know. That was awkward. Love my grandmother so much. (laughs) But she did not need to tell my wife details on how to make a boy. That's a Southern thing. So, um. So we got the boy. Apparently, apparently, you, you don't, you don't make we're not gonna have, boys we're gonna have to go with, um, is this rated R? With um, lazy loving. I'll just put it that way. You can't get a boy lo- Okay, you don't have to keep adding. Loving. You keep adding stuff. You don't need to. I just thought I was going to They get say. it. They get it. They get it. I think the biggest thing that I've learned is that I need patience and perspective on a lot of things. She makes me very aware of when I sound a certain way. <laughs> and I don't ever want to admit it, but I'm I'm very much like my dad in the sense where I don't hear me. And my sister was the one who would previously call me out on it. She'd be like, you sound like dad. And I'm like, you know, I love my father, but at the same time, my father can be real special. He can be a little, you know, so. My wife has pointed out to me when I'm sounding that way and I'll resist it at first. And then I'll step away and she'll tell you this. I'll step away and then I'll come back like, you know what, I'm sorry. You know, I know I'm I know I'm sounding like Jack Manning Jr. Let me go ahead and <laughs> let me cool that down a little bit, you know. Sorry, Dad, I love you. But um <laughs> so I think that that part is perspective and patience um in dealing with kids. 
you know, um, it's funny, like my mom would, would yell at us and she'd be like, I gotta tell y'all the same thing 3,000 times. I get it now, you know, I get it. I, I've gotta tell the girls 3,000 times the same thing over and over and over again. And eventually they will get it, but that's mm -hmm. the, the patience part. So um, I think that also comes into play with, with, with Tanae. So being patient with one another is something that, um, you know, as the years move forward, we have to learn to have that uh, with one another. And I know she has to have it with me because I'm sure that I get on her nerves but she loves me so she'll just kind of you know point it out and then we'll we'll move forward and we'll grow and, be and he better. does the same and i you know i'm not gonna I, I i'm not like that woman that's like i don't do anything wrong like i know i could be special and i have my special moments <clears throat> and i can apologize for that yes too yes um yes. i think definitely what I've learned about myself, you know, being in this new marriage after going through it, you know, before and very unsuccessfully, um, is that number one, one of the main things that I realized as I've gotten older, that a marriage, even, even though you hear, you know, and you say the vows and, you know, through the good and the bad, um, uh, sick and for health and, it's never ever supposed to be painful. It's never ever supposed to be that rough. It's never, it's never supposed to be full of turmoil. And that's what I experienced before as opposed to, and I'm not saying that I was a, an angel in that marriage. It was just that there was a level of immaturity, just a level of not understanding, um, you know, who I was and then who I wanted to be in a marriage. And I think that Number one, I think marriage should be reserved for the people who have discovered themselves. And soon, some people discover themselves sooner, you know, and I'm not saying that you can't change over time, but I think you need to be grounded in who you are first and then understand what it is that you want in a marriage before you step into this huge commitment. Cause I look at it and I've always taken it as a huge commitment. And so, and that's what I've always gotten from him, which is why it was something that he never rushed into. Um, and I think I saw that even in our dating period that I understood why he was taking the time and why he was saying, jokingly saying, but I, I felt it in all seriousness that I need to see you through seasons. I need to see when things aren't going your way. I need to see that, you know, you ain't crazy. Yeah. Um, he knows I have a level of crazy, She's but my Gemini. crazy has been tamed as <laughs> I have, you know, worked through some stuff on my own, but that's some... That's some things that I think people like you can't go into a marriage broken, like two broken people can't make a marriage right. right. And so me going into this marriage, I made sure that I was going to work on myself. I was going to work on my issues. I was going to work on who I wanted to become before just jumping into another relationship, especially jumping into a relationship with two, you know, daughters in tow. I think that you just pointed at something that it, it's never perfect. Right. Right. But you have to be willing to work on yourself first. Just, and just as your partner is willing to work on themselves. If you walk in thinking that you've done nothing wrong all the time, then you're probably wrong all, all the, the time. time. Right. Right. So 
you know, we have to we have to be able to communicate. And that was one thing that we did learn from boot, from the boot camp that we went to before we got married and in, in uh, was it 2013. Um, what, fall of 2013. It, it, the one thing that they stressed was the communication and sometimes repeating what your partner says in the exact same words so that you're ingesting it and interpreting it the right way versus interpreting something that was not said. <laughs> I still do that, but I'm better at that. And see, the communication part of it is key because I would be the type that I'd walk around and not talk to you for like a good week and I'd be a fine. whole week. And I'd be fine. And I, and was, I would oh, be like, just oh. give me a minute. And he would be like, could it just not be a week though? Because it's ridiculous. I'm and like, then you don't want- Life is short. Right, How long it's you too be short for us to be doing that. How long do you want to be mad at me? Seriously. So I've gotten so you much got, better. You get four or five good hours to yourself. I'm going to give you a break. I'll take the kids <laughs> right. out the house. Right. When I come back, I expect a kiss. And then I think we can sit down and have some Netflix and chill. So right. I don't want to stay mad. I'm being mad for a whole week? Like when we were dating? Yeah. And if I did something silly, and I'll admit I did something silly, she would not talk to me. And that was, was pre-boot camp, though. Talk to me. That was pre-boot camp behavior. Days. Days. I'm like, doesn't does she care? Does she still like... I hope she's not gonna leave. Like days, I make you nervous. It was a long time. It was a long time to be without love. <laughs> I make love, you real okay? nervous. I felt empty inside. I'd be walking around my dad's kitchen, and he's looking at me like, "Why you got this sad face on your face? What, what's going on with you? Won't you just call her, uh, Dad? I don't know what to do." I won't pick up the phone. She wouldn't answer the phones, and yeah, so. I'm glad that we went to boot camp because it helped us deal with that kind of stuff. Yeah. So I would advise anybody before marriage to have those I recommend kinds of conversations. It. I actually had a I sent a couple of couple of couples <laughs> to boot camp before getting married. Cause that's the type of thing that you need to do. Like that's like marriage counseling to the tenth power. Like it it really I think it's really, especially for people who've been through some stuff, like you need to have something a little stronger sure. than somebody sitting in front of you giving you sage advice like no i need i need to like i need to have a cry session i need to like scream out. and i and it and it it cleansed like it really cleansed my soul to the point where i just felt like yeah i'm a, i'm gonna send as many people as i can because um especially the ones I knew that had a little bit of baggage, like you might want to do boot camp before you plunge into marriage because I'm not trying to like, there ain't going to be no, no part three, like this is it. So I'm trying to make sure that I have the tools, you know, necessary to go into this marriage and, you know, and then, you know, you'd be changing diapers and I'll be changing your diapers and, you know, we'll be good. Like I'm, this is it. Like I'm not going anywhere. You have to go into the diaper part. But you know what I'm saying. I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. I change enough diapers now. I know. Yeah. You gotta use this is practice. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. <laughs>